1: a show that proves that different political opinions do not have to end in feuds and the breakdown of friendships. My name is George Carr and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, Callum Gurr.
0: Good evening, everybody. That's right, George is a hardline Brexiteer and true blue conservative, whereas I'm a Lib Dem and Ramona. But despite these different standpoints, we are still good friends. Tonight we'll be asking are criminals and mobsters glamorized too much in society? Who will or would you vote for at the general election? And have you ever attended a climate protest? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But
1: first, last week, we asked you to send in your questions that you've always wanted to ask uh, Callum and I. And we did say that they don't have to be political based. Um, and I can certainly say that you guys have not disappointed. Um, so let's jump straight in to our first question. It comes in from Ant. And he says, the news story earlier this year about Shamima Begum, the ISIS bride, and the UK declining entry for her and her baby, although the baby has since died, got me thinking. If you are a Brit who went abroad to fight for ISIS, and then since leaving ISIS, you have a baby, but that baby is not born in the UK, do you think that the UK should allow the baby into the country as a refugee, without their parent, to make sure the baby is safe, especially as most of the ISIS brides are in dangerous refugee camps? I'm seriously torn on this, because if the baby grows up as a healthy adult, they will always hate the UK for rejecting them. But at the same time, we're talking about
0: ISIS brides here. What do you think? Well, Callum, what do you think? <laughs> it's a it's a really really good question, Ant. Um and it's it's yeah, it's immensely difficult. I think it's it's a horrible situation, really. I mean, if um, as as it was kind of initially posed, if it's if it's my baby then I suppose in, in a sense I naturally might want it to be allowed back into the um, UK. Certainly um, in the, the actual um, real-life case mentioned, um, that that was the case, I believe. Um, but then again, I suppose if, if I've run off to join ISIS, I'm probably not that big a fan of the, the British state. But I think ultimately what, what we've got to say is that this baby would have a, a a claim i think to to having a a british passport because they'd have a british parent so on that basis i think they probably should be let in um and also because of the simple fact that it's, it's a baby and and it, it's not their fault that their their mum or, or dad's kind of run off to to join a terrorist organization um but then you could also say that about a hell of a lot of. Um, Child refugees as well. So it's a, it's a really difficult question, a really good one. And, and I mean, what do you think, George? Um, yeah, it, it
1: definitely is a uh, a difficult question, and you've definitely put Callum and I um, on our toes here. Um, and and it's it's a hard one. Uh, I I think that we we are right not to allow um, ISIS brides back into this country. Um, I think that is the right step to take. But when it comes down to their children, and and that makes a really important point about um, if if those children grow up um, knowing that we as a country have not allowed them to come back into this country um, to have a a decent life, then of course that's going to fuel hatred upon our country. And surely we're just fueling the um, radicalisation of ISIS. Um, And I think we as a country need to make sure that we are de-radicalizing people so we absolutely should be helping those that um are in a certain way and children that have been brought up in that world that haven't had a choice to not be brought up in that world i think we should be offering um asylum to and offering them to come back into this country
0: okay um moving on to the next um question it's from charlotte charlotte said do you think that beauty pageants and events like miss world have a place in the world from 2020 onwards. George, what do you think on this one? Um, a great
1: another great question. Um, I must admit, when when uh, we said ask questions, I really
0: wasn't expecting these varied variation of questions. Yeah, it's really to good to see not just Brexit, isn't yeah, it?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but do I think they have a, a place in the world? I I don't think there is that much of a problem with them. I I totally understand the arguments against them where they Um, glamorize women and they make women into a certain um, kind of image and object of just beauty Um, and potentially in a more uh, women's right favored world that we have today, um, that could seem to be wrong. But at the same time, if these women or even men, we have men pageants now, um, are there at their own self-esteem that they are there because they want to be there and they are there because they want to be they want to win they want to have the competition against other people um to become miss universe or miss world or miss kent or whatever it may be and i don't believe there is anything wrong in that i think where we have to make sure we aren't crossing the line is when sometimes unfortunately and um, we do see parents that have young children force their children into these pageants um and make them do things that necessarily they wouldn't actually do um normally sometimes they make them lose weight too, too much sometimes they put too much makeup on them that they don't want to wear um and it's it's that fine line if they are if the children or whoever it may be is there um
0: that want to be there then i don't see the problem in it at all what what are your thoughts callum yeah i think you're um right in kind of picking up on the facts the the kind of pressures that um people are put under for um when they go into beauty pageants and events like miss world um, and i think we'd have to be really careful about those sorts of things and and kind of make sure that these competitions are not kind of encouraging um mental health and or, or mental ill health rather and um eating disorders effectively but at the same time i i think there is a fundamental place for these kind of things in society um i i don't think that they should be got rid of completely um because i I think that they offer a lot of people um a good chance to kind of um show off their talents effectively um and um although there's kind of a stereotype that these things are just purely based upon looks and to a certain extent they are, but um, the kind of work that people have to go through to, um, you know, reach the standard of of Miss World, as it were, and things like that, should to a certain extent be commended, but also, uh, as I say, be wary of Um, What kind of negative effects this can have on people's mental health and make sure that people are um, getting the proper emotional support they need um, and generally are of a a sound mind really to be um, going into what is a a really horrible thing in in many ways in the kind of um, what you're being rejected for, so to speak, um, if you don't win these things. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: Um, our final question comes in from Robbie, um, and they say this is a big question for of prediction for you guys. But from my research, it seems like from around like in the late nineties to early noughties, the UK had quite a quiet time for politics. Post nine eleven and pre Iran, uh, similarly we had another quiet patch for a couple of years during David Cameron's years, post-recession and pre-Brexit. When do you think we're going to have another quiet patch, and please say it can be soon, and is there a chance that politics will will never quieten down again? Well, Callum,
0: what are your thoughts? I think there will be another quiet patch eventually. I think it's just um, a, a matter of, of life really and it's a matter of, of politics that, that that does happen and these kind of things do ebb and flow uh, in terms of when do i think that's going to be um i think in a, to a certain extent um it will come after kind of a, going forward into 2020 Um, because I think the Conservatives are going to get a majority. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, I think that things are going to go completely swimmingly during that time, but I think it will produce a kind of stability in our politics in that there is one dominant party. And realistically, we haven't really had that since um, Gordon Brown or, or Tony Blair's government um realistically so so i think that i think going forward from 2020 we could well see a bit more of a quiet time but it does come with the price you might say of a conservative majority what what do you think george yeah,
1: um, I think Robbie is really right that we are currently in a period of, of politics that is very noisy. It's, it can be quite frightening as well. Um, and it's because of the, the divides that we see in families, the divides that we see in, in parties at the moment, the rise in um, the left wing and the rise in the right wing as well. There are so many different factions going on currently in this country that just it only promotes division. Um, and I I believe that, along with Callum, that, that seeing towards the end of 2020, to into 2021, I think we will see the progression of things starting to settle down, things starting to um, real really quieten down, because people will start to have that stability that hasn't been there in, the, in government for a very long time, um, and the stability around, hopefully, Um, committing to Brexit and and actually getting Brexit done. Um, And and I think that that essentially is what will allow us all to to settle down again at the end of the day, Um, and will hopefully heal divisions um right okay so remember we will be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show so make sure you're ready for that for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show but it is now time for our first sunbreak break of this evening and we'll be back after this break
0: Hello and welcome back. Time to move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we are asking the question, are criminals and mobsters glamorise too much in society? So this question is actually slightly adapted from a question that Dominic sent in to us last week uh, for the segment that's just been. So thank you very much for that, Dominic. Uh, George and I both agreed that the question at hand was such a big topic. They wouldn't really do it justice to just discuss it in a couple of minutes. Uh, So we've given it a whole segment and poll to accompany it to allow a proper discussion. Uh, Dominic said the following when sending in his question. I saw an immersive experience version of the Wolf of Wall Street advertised in London. It's one of my favourite films and I love films like Scarface and The Godfather too. But do you think that we glamorise criminals and mobsters too much in our society? Sir George, Do you think classic films like The Godfather and Scarface and more recently things like Peaky Blinders and The Irishman do actually glamorise criminals? Um, There is no denial that
1: from uh, everything that we've seen on certain sites like Netflix, Sky, films that are coming out, that they do seem to put a golden sheet over killing people and over being a criminal and they they sometimes some of these films and tv shows seem to portray that it's okay to run a life like a criminal um because you sometimes get great rewards out of it um and i would love to see a a proper study into this and i do believe that there is a um, a connection between people um, and and the uprising of people looking at and watching films and going out to do um, those criminal acts. I mean, we have seen it in past films, and we've seen it in a recent film that's come out in The View as well. Um, and and there is a possibility that there, there is an uprising in, in knife crimes, especially. Um, I mean today in my local village there was an incident um and it's it's scary it is scary and i do think that whoever is making these tv shows um and films should seriously look at what they are doing because yes i understand that historic criminals have made history and they are um historic figures that that possibly have taught people in certain ways but at the same time we have got to make it clear that being a criminal is wrong it's not about a fancy life and and just the odd killing someone i I think that is why it's become it's just like a, a norm and and it's it is totally totally wrong of of these film companies i believe that do keep promoting all of these um criminals i think there is a certain way you can go about it and what they're doing right now does not help um criminals in in today's society because if you are that way inclined and you have that mindset seeing a film could give you possibilities of ideas
0: that you would go out and act on um but what what do you think adam so yeah i think there is a a certain level of uh, glamorization that happens. I mean, if you look on um, on IMDB's uh, top films of all time as in the top ratings on that um, seven out of ten of those films um, actually have as a central character or a plot point some kind of criminal or crime taking place um, so you could say on on that level maybe there is a, a level of glamorising but I also think you have to dig beneath the surface of what these films are actually trying to do as to whether or not they're actually glamorising um, these criminals and, and these mobsters. Um, so if, if we take the example of what is quite often said to be the best film of all time, The Godfather, um, I don't think the purpose of that is, is necessarily to glamorise crime. Um, I, I think the purpose of that is to show the kind of descent of someone into becoming a mob boss, effectively, and not necessarily glamorise that journey, but actually say that uh, it's something that uh, in the film, I can't remember what the main character's called in it now, but it's something that he, he fights a lot in, in in trying to become um a, a mob boss, but uh, effectively society makes it uh, necessary because they they won't accept um, him almost going legitimate. Um, and so I think it's actually, if you look at a lot of the cases of these, these films that apparently glamorise crime, they, they're not glamorising crime. They're saying that society sometimes almost forces people or at least pushes people down that line of crime and i think that actually rather than saying that these things necessarily are, are encouraging violence we should actually be looking at what these films are trying to say uh, i mean what do you what do you make of that, george
1: yeah it's a, definitely an interesting point of view to have but i i unfortunately think that <sighs> we there there are certain people out there that unfortunately um aren't um uh, mentally fully healthed and yeah. when they see um films that are um, criminal based that have certain uh crimes within them and and ways of to go about killing people unfortunately there are those people that will sit there and watch that and think yeah that's actually quite a good idea or i want to go and do that or i want to go and do something better than that film yeah, um, um and i they- and i t- i totally agree that that there are the majority of people will sit and watch films like the godfather and sit there and think of the actual context of what it's trying to portray but we can never get over the the other argument of those unfortunately people that are mentally ill that would look at the films like the godfather and think yeah that's a good idea what what did they actually do wrong
0: yeah uh, but i mean is that not an argument more rather than saying that films are necessary glamorizing violence isn't that more an argument that there should be better mental health support there should be kind of less stigma around mental health in society and and, and and getting help rather than blaming it on the films as such.
1: Well, no, I'm not blaming it on the films at all. I, and and I, I would never disagree that we need more mental health support. Absolutely we do, but... I think no matter how much support you can give someone there or or how much services can be available, there will always be an individual that goes and watches a film, no matter if that film is trying to to glamorize um, criminals or not. They will still watch that film, whether they are getting help or not, and think to themselves, yeah, that's quite a good idea. Now, I'm not saying this happens all the time. I'm not saying it at all, but there will always be the one in a million that will sit there and watch it and think, actually... That is a good idea. And I I do believe that we need to seriously look at the films and the the TV shows that are being made in ensuring that even if it's a text at the end of the show to say that this is not the way to, to go about your life, these were criminals. And I don't know, it seems to be that there is some kind of thrill being made out of being a criminal at the moment by TV shows
0: and films, and it needs to stop. Yeah, and so you you think the kind of best solution is is a message at, at the end of these shows, or, or do you think that it should be a more kind of concrete um, embargo, I suppose, or on or, or ban on these films being made that depicts um, violence? I would
1: I would never ever say that we need to ban films and we we need to ban what people watch because um i'm a great believer in human rights and you should have the decision what you go and watch and what you believe in but at the same time i think that it's definitely a route that we can go down to look at whether a message at the end of a film or even at the beginning of the film um explaining what um why it is bad to go and do things i I sometimes think that you know when you get the certificate page on the front of the film saying that this it contains mild violence and strong language or whatever that's a perfect opportunity to say that these are based on life events but it does not mean that you go and carry them out or something you know a lot better word than that um because it's just that more reassurance of it's not right to be like this
0: yeah yeah i mean but do you know i think there's a slight issue with that and that no one reads the certifications of a film anyway when they come on at the beginning or or at the end so that message would almost fall on deaf ears well not necessarily
1: i think you you watch the titles when you when you go in or even if it was when for example like the view you know you have that voiceover guy come in and say hello um and within that maybe it could it could be something like that because you're forced to listen to it um and it's Yes, I mean, after a while, people would probably get used to it, and not it wouldn't be as effective. But then we would have to explore different ways of how we could go
0: about to tackling um, the the influence that these films can play. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting kind of dilemma um, that f- films really are being faced yeah. with. Uh, yeah. I mean, how do you think this poll is going to go? Just before we go to a break,
1: um, I'm going to say sixty percent of people will say that films do uh, glamorise. Uh, criminals
0: and 40% will say no. What do you think? I'm going to go with 70% say they do. It's oh. a 30% that say they don't. Pushing the boat out. <laughs> uh, right then, we've reached time for a song break, but remember you can vote on this poll. Are criminals and mobsters glamorized too much in society? You can do that at wizardradio.co.uk. force us to listen, and we'll be back very soon. Hello, and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So before the break, we'll question, are criminals and mobsters glamorized too much in society? And you guys have been voting away. So 67% of you said yes, they are glamorized too much, uh, compared to 33% of you that said no, they aren't. So George, I, I, I'm I'm going to call that one a win. I'm going to call that one a draw. <laughs> I, I think it was it was closer to mine if we were go it was closer to mine sorry uh, if we were going on the on who's closer i got there george no bad luck i, I just i disagree um <laughs> let's move on to
1: our third discussion of this evening and we're asking the question who will slash would you vote for at the upcoming general election so on the 29th of october parliament voted in favor of having an early general election. This election would then take place during November and December, with the final polling day being the 12th of December, this coming Thursday, where has time gone? Um, We have seen all kinds of policy announcements from each party, everything from, of course, more money into the NHS to stopping Brexit. Right now, the polls are suggesting that the Conservatives are on 43%, Labour, on 33%, the Lib Dems on 13%, and the Brexit and the Green Party are averaging around 4%. But from what you've heard over the last month, who will you be backing in the general election? Out of the following parties: so we have the Conservatives, the Labour Party, the Liberal Democrats, the Greens, the Brexit Party, or other. And obviously, before we throw it over to our lovely listeners, we've got to throw it over to. Um, Callum, who I'm guessing, I mean, it's a guess in the dark here, but I'm guessing you're going to say the Lib Dems.
0: Yeah, you've uh, you've hidden out on the head. There, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, of course, uh, I um, I did vote for the Liberal Democrats. I've already voted because I've done a postal vote. Um, and uh, I think the, the kind of main reason why um, I'm voting for the Lib Dems, other than obviously the fact I'm a member of the party <laughs> um, is because I think that they're taking a really kind of sensible approach to a lot of issues. Um, when we talk about climate change, I, I think they're being realistic um, about um, how the procedure we take for tackling climate change in this climate emergency. Um, I think that The Greens have kind of made a promise, I think, to go carbon neutral by 2030. I was just trying to have a look through my notes to check that's correct. Yeah, so net zero carbon emissions by 2030. Um, But I I frankly think that's just not realistic. I wish it was, but I I don't think it is. Um, Whereas the Lib Dems are committed to get the bulk of it done by 2030 but 2045 realistically to be net zero um and i, I think that's a far more realistic approach and they're more realistic on a lot of things as well in terms of nhs funding um they're being upfront about the fact they want to increase funding by 26 billion a year by 2023 to 2024 um but there will also be upfront about how we're going to do that. And that is going to be a 1P rise in income tax um, to invest in health and social care. And I think it's really important to be upfront about these things. Um, so it's kind of because they're sensible um, that I'm going for the Liberal Democrats. But I'm aware of the fact has been talking a while. So, George, um, well, ho- well, I know who you're going for, but w- why, I suppose, are you backing the Conservatives? And then maybe if you want to bring in some of the other parties. Um, Okay,
1: so uh, as Callum has correctly guessed, I will be uh, voting for the Conservatives in uh, the election on Thursday. And the reason I'm voting Conservative is, is firstly, I voted for Brexit. I'm a Brexiteer. I believe that coming out of the EU with no deal is not a a good possibility for this country. It wouldn't be right for this country, but coming out with a deal um, that Theresa May and Boris Johnson have negotiated is uh, um, the right step forward for this country. And it will ensure that the democratic vote that happened in 2016 is actually confirmed and put into place. Um, And I think that will restore a lot of trust in politics. Also, I think that the Conservatives are a party that understands that we have cut a lot um, in in welfare and cut a lot in in the funding for services, and we want to ensure that those services get the money that we have had to take take away from them to ensure that this country has a surviving economy. Um, And we are also a party that will not... um, bankrupt the country we will make sure that what we spend is what we can afford to spend Um, and when we will not force people to pay a a whole load of tax just to pay for what um for privatizations of sorry nationalization of things um and, and i think the conservatives are truly not just about working for the present, but working for the future and the future generations as well. I think they've got good policies around um, becoming uh, net zero by 2050. They've got good policies around planting trees as well, which I think is a massive benefactor of of becoming net zero by 2050. Um, They've got a clear spending plan for the NHS. They've got a clear spending plan for more investment in uh, education and also policing as well. But let's look at a different party because I could go on about that forever. And I know people don't want to hear me going on (laughs) about that forever. Um, So let's look at probably... If the Conservatives weren't around, a a party that I would look at possibly voting for um, would be the Brexit Party. And the Brexit Party are a party that believes that they want a clean break deal from the EU, which means practically coming out on no deal, coming out on WTO terms. Um, and their manifesto is practically formed around the payments that we give to the EU. It's, it's, it's bringing that money back and investing that into areas of the NHS, into areas of um, education. And also they um, have taken a view on HS2 to scrap that. Um, And it's that they are targeting really now. They really are targeting the Labour held strong seats because they believe that they can win up there. They believe that they could do quite well. Um, And they're trying to relate to the Labour voters that could never vote Conservative in their life. But they're trying to say, well, if you can't vote Conservative, vote for the Brexit party. Callum, do you want to give an explanation to
0: any of the others? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, so obviously Labour are the, <clears throat> the, the biggest challenger, really, to the Conservatives for a majority. Um, I mean, Labour, realistically, are the only other party that have any hope of, of being the major party of government, although I think it's unlikely that Labour are in a position to get a majority anyway. Um, but But Labour want to... Um, undertake a, a kind of four hundred billion pound investment in in what is they call it a national transformation fund uh, that includes two hundred and fifty billion for energy, transport, and the environment, one hundred and fifty billion for schools, hospitals, and housing. Uh, they want to build one hundred thousand new council homes a year by twenty twenty four, and fifty thousand affordable homes a year. Um, they want to. Uh, it's, it sounds like a very long list. They want to give people a £10 an hour minimum wage for all workers, um, free full fibre broadband for every home and business in the UK by 2030. Um, so it's it's a kind of to summarise that, it's a, a hell of a lot of spending is what Labour want to do. Um, and it's because they feel that the, the years of austerity have left... Um, Public services very depleted, and it's massively in increased. Increased rather um, inequality. Um, so, so that's kind of their way of tackling that. Um, and then the Green Party are another um, option on this poll. Um, as I said, they want to reach net zero carbon emissions by 2030. Uh, they want to invest on to that goal really 100 billion a year for a decade to tackle climate change um mainly paid for by actually borrowing uh, they want to pursue a green new deal including a kind of structural transformation of the way the economy works i know in the past but i'm not sure if it's in a current manifesto but in the past they have talked about um not aiming necessarily for gdp growth um but rather seeing a decline or a stagnation in gdp is not necessarily being a bad thing um mm-hmm. if the economy is transforming <clears throat> to be more environmentally friendly um so obviously yeah there's some really different varied options um this general election oh absolutely massively and uh, it's going to be
1: an incredible incredibly important general election so um i will say what i said last week and it all it simply is is that if you can vote Please make sure you go out and vote um, yeah. and vote with your mind. Do your research and have a look at what party best represents you. Um, as long as you go out and tick that box um, on Thursday, then you will be doing your democratic right. Um, and you'll be able to say that you had a chance of had a, having a say in your future. Um, right. But kind who do you think is going to come out on top?
0: Oh, God, very difficult. Um, I think that... The Conservatives will come out on top in line with the polls. What do you think?
1: Really? Um, I'm going to say that Labour will come out on top. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for the Labour. Right. <laughs> okay. So remember to vote on this question: Who will/slash would you vote for at the general election? And the options are: Conservatives, the Labour Party, the Liberal Democrats, the Green Party, or the Brexit Party, or even other. Um, and we'll be back after this break. Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked the question, who will slash would you vote for at the upcoming general election? And you guys have been voting away and the results have just come in. So the Conservatives have received 29% of the vote. Labour have received 39% of the vote. The Liberal Democrats have received 23% of the vote. The Green Party have received 6% of the vote. The Brexit Party have received 1% of the vote. And other have received 2% of the vote, so we are expecting a hung parliament.
0: Callum, what's your biggest surprise on that list? (laughs) Um, Oh, I'm quite surprised with how high the Liberal Democrats have got 23% of the vote. I think, obviously, if you consider where they were as a party, really, when we even started this show, I think it shows how much. Their stock has, in, to a certain extent, risen, or they at least aren't the, the kind of devil you can't vote for that, that they were before. I mean, what do you find the most um, surprising?
1: Uh, Hand on heart, I find it incredibly surprising that the Conservatives have got 29% of the vote. I was not expecting them to be that high up. I was going to say the Lib Dems were going to come in second behind Labour. And also, as always, I'm always surprised to see the other has got 2%. So maybe the raving loony party, whatever they're called, will be getting some votes.
0: Well, yeah, the uh, independent group is still knocking around in some cases, at least. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Right then, time to move on to our fourth and final discussion of this evening. We are asking the question, have you ever attended a climate protest? So on Friday morning, protesters blocked traffic in Washington, D.C. as part of another episode in a massive box set of global environmental strikes calling for urgent action to tackle the so-called climate emergency. Such protests are such a frequent occurrence because so many different people are willing to attend them. In fact, in the September Global Day of Action, millions joined demonstrations in cities and towns all around the world, including Africa, the Philippines and the United States. We want to know if our listeners have joined the masses Um, in such climate protests. So that's why we're asking, very simply, have you ever attended a climate protest? But George, I'm going to put this to you first. Um, I think I know the answer, but maybe I don't. Have you attended a climate protest?
1: Now, I think I'm going to surprise quite a lot of you when I say that I've
0: never um, gone to a climate protest. (laughs) <laughs> that's so
1: surprising George it is isn't it it's shocked I bet a lot of people are looking at the screens going I can't believe that George has never gone to a protest a climate protest <laughs> um, I, I'll i be honest hands up why I've never been to a climate protest is because um, I have a full time job that I can't really miss out on and take holiday for uh, and I I quite often don't believe that some of the Uh, disruption that the climate protest has caused has been for a a good thing. I don't think it's it's demonstrated what their arguments are in a good way. So that's why I don't believe in in going to protest on it. I do believe that we have a climate emergency. I think it's absolutely most important that we get it sorted. But I wouldn't go around um, protesting about it. I would just try and help change policies and, and have an uh, influence in different ways. Um how about you, Callum? Have you been on the boat that was dragged around London?
0: <laughs> uh no I haven't. I haven't ever been on a climate protest actually. Um although I was in London when the um well that that I think it was the September day of action was. Um because I, I was going to there was an EU march on the exact same day. Um so so I did kind of see some of it, but I've never actually physically been to one of the ones specifically for climate change. Uh, it's something I would like to go and see uh, and kind of observe. But I, I do, to a certain extent, agree with you, George, that I'm I'm not entirely sure, especially more recently, how effective um, they have been in kind of winning people over to the the side of of how much of an emergency this is. Yeah, um, I think you know when we saw those confrontations. I can't remember exactly where they were, uh, but when we saw those um, confrontations on the tube um, in, in London, um, where they were uh, effectively had to be dragged off of the top of a tube carriage, um, which incidentally the tube is quite environmentally friendly, at least compared to cars. Um, it, it really does kind of beg a belief what why those kind of protests are happening and and it does just make you consider um to what extent this is purely about climate change and and the truth is that i think especially in the extinction rebellion a lot of it is not just about climate change it's about bringing down capitalism which you might argue we can only tackle climate change through bringing down capitalism but um i think that's probably a, a question for another day really um but but George, I mean, what what's your kind of early prediction of our, our listeners, whether or not they've attended a climate protest? I'm going to go for, if if they're being honest, I'm going
1: to say that uh, 15% are going to say yes, um, wow. and 85% are going to say no. What do you think?
0: I'm going to be a bit more, I mean, optimist, it's not really the word, I suppose, but I, I think more will have attended. Um, even if it's kind of more of a, a local one, just in their local town or something. Yeah. Um, can we but, have a precise number, please? Yes, of course. Uh, I was just getting to that, George. <laughs> uh, uh, 35% will say yes, uh, they have attended a climate protest. Wow. Uh, right then, it's time for you guys to vote away on this. Um, so that question again is, have you ever attended a climate protest? You can do that at www.redhead.co.uk. Forward us, listen, and we'll be back very soon. before the break we asked have you ever attended a climate protest and 71 percent of you have said yes you have uh, compared to 29 percent of you that said no um no you haven't i mean george we were both incredibly wrong on that weren't we no i think i got that one
1: quite right because i said i think i said that 15 percent would say no
0: <laughs> you really you really confuse me then george you, you, you can't you can't do that joke because my memory is not good enough for that um oh. we'll get we'll have to start properly writing these down signing them as a declaration sort of thing well, just so we just can keep, keep an eye well that is true but i suppose that on the who was nearer i think yeah. i was nearer on this basis so you know George, yeah. I'd, I'd hash mate
1: how, how about this next, next year we'll we'll keep tabs on who who gets the most polls correct and uh we'll then get a prize at the end of the year
0: yeah all right sounds good to me we'll do that it'd be like a mini to... world cup thing yeah i look forward to my prize oh yeah yeah i'm sure you do <laughs> <laughs> right now we've uh, reached the time to end the season the show so thanks very much for listening so to, to be discussed cup and go we hope you've enjoyed this episode Uh, As mentioned earlier, for
1: the first segment of next week's show, we'd like you to send in your opinions on the following question. What is one way you are helping to tackle the climate emergency? You can do that by sending us an email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter. That's at Wiz So remember, that question is, what is one way you are helping to tackle the climate emergency? And we are of course, really looking forward to hearing your opinions next week. But it is now time for Callum and I to be leaving. So as always, I have been
0: the voting and so should you guys, George Lawrence Cup. And I've I will also be voting. I'm Callum gert Thanks very much for listening everyone. We'll be back next week for another episode to be discussed. Goodbye guys. Ciao for now.